0: Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me, who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. A massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Orma Baths team. Today's episode wouldn't exist without you. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much and really hope you enjoy today's show.
1: All right, what's the crack? Hope you're doing very, very well. Just a quick little message from the future here before we jump into this incredible conversation with Janine Kane. The first one is just to let you know that this interview was recorded before the outbreak of COVID-19. And the second thing is that as soon as the lockdown is lifted, as soon as we're all allowed to go back to the pubs, we're allowed to see each other again, and we're allowed to go out and support the hospitality industry, we will be throwing a party in the Jaggy nettle if, of course, Janine will lettuce Uh, for all of the producers club members for all of you who have been listening to the show for a while and support it so faithfully obviously don't have a clue whenever that will be but make sure to keep an eye out for it in the whatsapp group it'll be a great opportunity for us all to reconnect in person a great opportunity for us to support janine and my promise to you as a way of saying thank you for listening and for being a part of the show is that the first round will be on me So yeah, there's just a quick wee thing, a quick wee update, something to look forward to in the future. Keep going. I know it's been hard. I know it's been a long time. I know the grind is really starting to set in. But I know like all things in life, this too will pass. And I'm so, so looking forward to seeing you in the jaggy nettle sometime very soon.
2: Oh goodness, a first memory. Gosh, that's a difficult question, that is. And and on the back of that is because my memory generally tends to be quite poor. <laughs> so so it's, it's a hard one to go with. Uh, I guess my first memory uh, goes back to when I was quite young in school. Um, and uh, my folks lived on Black's Road up near Dumurray. And we went to a primary school, a place school across the road. Which is still there, and thankfully they haven't knocked it down. But I don't know if the kids are going to it anymore. Um, and my younger sister Christine was about three, and she decided that um, she wanted to come find me. I'm one one year older than her, <laughs> four. I'm not sure that's a great way to start. You only remember from the age of four, anyway. So she decided that she wanted to come and find me, and, and she was able to find her way from my mum's house, which is probably about 800 meters out of the house across the road into the school to come and find me and it was open arms (laughs) (laughs) where are you sister (laughs) (laughs) until my mother kind of like got a rap on the door to say "Um, did you realise your child has just gone across a busy road to go and find her siblings yeah so yeah, that's not good. That four, it's four, <laughs> but it's a good memory. And did
1: she ever find you?
2: Did <laughs> oh, she find me? Oh, nice yes. She, oh, yes, yes. She continues to haunt me. I work with
1: her. <laughs> Henri, well, uh, maybe we'll dive into what it's like to work with family uh, yeah. later on. But sure. uh, for now, just to uh, bring the guys up to speed here listening in, uh, sitting down here today with Janine Kane. Janine, you are the owner of so many places, uh, Spaniard... Muriel's, yep. my favorite ever, the Jaggy Nettle up in Yes, You've got Panama, the cafe, which is just round the corner from us, Normal Baths, yep. and a whole pile of other places. You're a publican. You're you accept the term publican yes yes you like that yes sure um we've had uh previous other publicans on the show we had willie jack we've had bill Woolsey. we've had the guys from the dead rabbit and so really excited to hear uh kind of your story and how you went on to set up all these things in belfast
2: sure so
1: that is it as simple as that um we've got our tea we've got our coffee and i think that's us ready to go
2: hi i'm janine kian and you're listening to best of belfast
1: Alright folks, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates Northern Ireland and the incredible people in it. Our weekly unfiltered conversations give you the opportunity to get to know and learn from some of the interesting people who call this place home. The show is brought to you from a recording studio in Ormo Baths, Barclays Eagle Labs, an old Victorian bathhouse built in 1888 that's now been transformed into a tech hub and a co-working space right here in the heart of the city centre. We're a crowdfunded show. We're supported by people who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. Listeners just like you who pledge as little as £5 a month to get behind-the-scenes access, invitations to live podcasts, and the chance to submit questions to our guests. To find out more, get in touch or check out our back catalogue of over 100 incredible interviews please visit bestofbelfast.org. Okay, that's it for me for now. It's time to jump straight back into our conversation with this week's local legend. Really hope that you enjoy. I didn't know that you trained as a nurse. Yes. What is that all about?
2: Well, that, I guess, so way back in the day, <laughs> as you do, and probably coming from a family of nine. My mom, family, yes. <gasps> Hardcore West Belfast, <laughs> Catholic family of nine. Fair
1: play to your mum, is new. Ticks all those
2: boxes, it's <laughs> stereotypical. Yes, we're, we're, we're right in the middle of it. And, and on the back of that, my mother kind of always wanted and verbalised that she would like a nurse in the family. Hey. Uh, n- not that I was initially attracted to that um, as, a, as a career, um, but I guess as, as things progressed, I left school. I went to St. Louise's. left school, um took my first job in what used to be the old Leisure World, which is unfortunately now gone. Mm. It's a car park. <laughs> um so worked in there for a couple of years, left that and kind of thought didn't really have much direction. Uh and then I ended up getting into, I guess, the care system and I worked in as a care assistant uh in Adelaide Avenue in a nursing home there. Um which thankfully still is there. <laughs> and um Really enjoyed it, really enjoyed care of the elderly, Wow. really enjoyed the fun, you know, the stories, the crack. Uh, and then as a natural progression, then I kind of thought, well, my mother wants a nurse. Maybe I should give this a go. And simply for that reason, I kind of went in and did my training. So um, I trained. I was one of those uh, Project 2000 nurses, which uh, at that stage it hadn't quite reached degree level with Queen's, which is what they're doing now. Um, so it was almost like a we were a trial uh, <laughs> programme um, to see whether this would take off or not and uh, from the nursing perspective the bigger majority of it was practical based uh, rather than college based although towards the end of it towards setting exams it obviously became more study based um, but the bigger majority of it was practical hands on nursing which is what they used to do many years previous um, now obviously that's changed to it's more university based at Queen's Um Obviously, alongside the practical end of it. Anyway, long short of it, got through that, qualified as a registered general nurse. Class. Practiced at it for two years, and then decided, I don't like this. This nah. is not for me. <laughs> 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 this ain't happening. So, and the reason for that was a lot of the time was spent just doing paperwork, mm. and and it wasn't it wasn't actual hands on nursing, mm. which was the whole point of getting into the career. And mm. um, so I thought, right. What, what, like, what do you do now? Yeah. You know, I got to pay the rent. I got to pay the electricity. Sure. You know, <laughs> and I saw it. And, and and by default, a friend said, look, you know, there's a couple of chefs going in this pub. Do you fancy it? And I was like, let's give that a go. So back in those days, it was the Parliament Bar, which is down in Dunbar Link, which the building is still there, but obviously the pubs moved on. And that was my first opportunity to get into hospitality. Uh And it is just Slowly crept from there <laughs> for the last thirty years.
1: Um, what is in the parliament now?
2: Uh, there's there's another nightclub that's on that site. Um, I'm I'm not too sure what the name. I think it's called Lux, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a nightclub. Awesome. Yeah, um, and and it's good that they've retained the building because yeah. you know. Like Belfast, we lose too many of them too quickly. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. So it's it's still a nightclub, but that back in the day, just was a phenomenal yeah. venue to kind of work in. Yeah. Um, busy. Still have a lot of friends. Awesome. You know, from first meeting yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was the first introduction into yeah. the bar game.
1: Look, personal care is not really something that a lot of people are good at never mind drawn to sure is there anything you can think of even if you have to really reach like what was it do you think inside yourself that made you kind of attracted to that
2: to to nursing and to um because you
1: you describe working in a in a in a care home sure that's great fun sure like not a lot of people would say that
2: I mean, I think it's like everything, you know. Whether it's either in that setting in a in a nursing home, or whether it's in the setting of a hospital, or depending on any service that you're in, you're basically dealing. It's all around people. Yeah, it's, it's all dealing with people. Yeah. you know. Unfortunately, care of the elderly. It's just that you know they're they may be infirm, you know, um, uh, or they're they're having sort of you know. For whatever reason, there's not family support to nurse them at home. You know, in the hospital setting, it's people who are feeling unwell that need looked after. And and sometimes whenever you go into your pub, it, it's, it's it's the slight, slightly different, but on the same vein, that on that, that occasion you become a social worker.
1: 100%. You know,
2: so how are you today? What's going on? You know, how's the dog? How's the wife? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it kind of has the same vein kind of thrown fl- through it that it's all to do with people. Yeah. And the connection is people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I was just telling you about uh, Davey, the firefighter we had on the yes, show. Yeah. He had this great phrase. I'm trying to think. He said something like, you're on the razor sharp edge of the community. Yes and you're like that when you're a nurse and you're like that when you're a gP and you're also like that when you're working a bar because you're right there on the front line of where you're interacting with people's everyday normal lives
2: absolutely um and from that point of view, I guess again it's all about communication you know whether you're you're sitting talking to you know an 80 or a 90 year old in the nursing home tell me about your your life or your story or your family to somebody who's you know, particularly not feeling well in the hospital, it to take somebody like, to say, hiya. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're not very good at that kind of uh, forward-facing um, communication. You know, sometimes life just gets too busy. Busy, busy, busy. Don't have time to talk. Don't have time to do anything. You know, and, and it's very easy to forget to kind of be able to say hello to somebody. Mm-hmm. And and obviously very much so within the pubs. You know, that that, that is kind of... Um, as I like to say to our guys, you know, we're in the business of hospitality, which means being hospitable to people. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you you think that's difficult to understand, but, you know, you, you kind of have to keep reiterating that, that, it, you know, it's our job to say, hello, mm. good morning. How you doing? Mm-hmm. How's your day going? And, and that in itself just engages with people right away. Wow. But, it, but it, sometimes it's a lost skill. You know that I, I think a lot of the younger generation need to understand that, you know, it's not all about mobile phones and mm-hmm. tablets and you know, that there's there's definitely a, an art form in communicating and sure. conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I know a lot of people like you in the hospitality sector are struggling to get good staff.
2: Um, I guess, like everything, whenever I was bartending, it just seemed to be at that stage that people did consider it more of a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and it's not that there's not opportunity. If anything, there's probably more opportunity now to progress when you think of the investment um, that is coming into Northern Ireland and also the, you know, the uh, people who trade here her trying to, retain Mm -hmm. and invest within Northern Ireland, I guess, like myself. Um, So there's definitely more opportunity now to see it as a career, excuse me, and to make a really good living out of it. Um, I'm not too sure from an engagement point of view how um, people equate it as as a career. I mean, I know there's difficulties in that we don't facilitate any kind of Long term programs, unless you're going and studying at college, you know, that's not always the path for everybody. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't go to college to study hospitality. Yeah. You know, I learned on the ground, hands on. Right. Let's start with collecting glasses. Yeah. Right. What do I learn now how to polish glasses? Yeah. You know, so I think there's a, a massive gap in the middle where we there, there should be some facility where people who are not necessarily college driven can learn a hands on mm-hmm. Career, for example, if you're going to look at plumbing or you're going to look at, you know, uh, bricklaying, you know, a lot of a lot of those kind of careers, um, uh, are long term or are, are are amazing. We seem to have that gap missing that it's either we we take you from scratch and you know absolutely nothing about hospitality, or you come from a university background. Yeah, but there, there's there's kind of no middle ground there, and I think that's where. We, we kind of lose a lot of the skill set.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So what happened after the parliament?
2: Uh, so after the parliament then, um, uh, I was headhunted. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Probably the first and only time <laughs> in my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I was headhunted then by a couple of guys uh, called Seamus and Andre who opened the Kremlin. Nice. So I, I, I guess, officially opened the Kremlin back in the day.
1: Whoa, that's like proper but, status right there.
2: Well, <laughs> thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so and that venue was amazing. I mean, I guess at that stage, you know, for anybody who was on the gay scene, the parliament was the only place to be. Yeah. And then these guys came along and it was direct competition. So I saw the big new shiny venue and thought, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm happy to give that a go. So when I had a great working relationship with them, was there for about three or four years. And then um, one of my uh, drinks reps said to me, look, you know, I think you need to get on board with this guy. And I was like, oh, right. Who's that? And he says, well, he's a a guy from Bangor called Bill Woolsey.
1: Oh, yeah, that guy.
2: I was like, right, I don't know anything about him. He's like, well, you know, he's he's going to open this really cool bar up on the Lisburn Road. And I was like, all right, okay. He's like, I think you need to kind of maybe get on board. Potentially long term, there might be better opportunities for you. So that's when uh, Bill opened Tattoo again for those of a certain age, <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure, Matthew, you're going remi- to No, you're not going to remember I'm Tattoo. Not.
1: The only re- I already know Tattoo through the stories people have told me. Right, so
2: so the Tattoo was kind of a, a first of its kind in relation to its design. It it basically looked like an aircraft hangar uh, and the, the, the design was streaks ahead of anything else wow. that was happening in Belfast. So that was my first opportunity to get on board with Bill and then I continued to work with Bill for a further 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I I went in on a, I actually left a manager's post yeah to go back down to a bartender's post Oof. just to kind of get the foot in the door, which was fine. Because yeah. sometimes that's just the way life is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't always get it handed to you in a spoon. So yeah. I thought, this guy's worthwhile getting on board with. Uh, so... So tattoo I was there and then Bill then took on and again unfortunately it's not there anymore. Um so it it's on the site um of Sweet Afton. Mm. But Bill opened Barbaca and he opened a pub around the corner called Erin and Anne's, uh named after his um Mum and his aunt. Uh and then he opened a nightclub called La Lea and, and back in the day that site, you know, we could have been operating 1500 people a night Crazy. at the weekend huge success fantastic bar wow and I can remember distinctly whenever he opened Barbaca um, Bill's very good at doing research so he took me over to London uh, and he said to me right um, we're going here for a few days um, I want you to go and kind of look at uh, this bar and get some ideas for cocktails and I went Right. Okay. So he took me to this bar in London, and uh, he just basically said, um, "You're working tonight," (laughs) and I was like, "Sorry, no. You're you're going to be working behind that bar tonight." And I said, "Bill, look, my my cocktail knowledge at that stage was quite limited." Yeah. Um, and he said, "You're going to be working tonight, and believe you me, you'll learn quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how these cocktails are made. <laughs> it was the best training ever. Unbelievable. So, you know, I kind of backed one of their front waiters, and a, a lot of the stuff we we took from London to bring back to Barbaca. Yeah, 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 And at that stage, it kind of it made the bar what it was to a certain degree as a, as an introduction to cocktails in the Belfast. He was ahead of the game. Wow, ahead of the game. But in saying that." He's always ahead of the game <laughs> because he, he does research and travel a lot to, to kind of just bring different ideas back that he thinks will work in Belfast. And that's the other thing. It's it's okay saying stuff,
1: mm.
2: then you have to bring it back to this market, yeah. which sometimes can be quite tricky. Yeah, big time. Uh, so then, so from that venue, I went down there as a general manager to Rebecca and Erin and Anne's and Lalea. And then after that, he then took on White's Tavern. Oh, yeah. Uh, great brilliant bar loved it and he asked me to go around there and manage it and I was like okay and then at that stage his business was changing in its strategy and he was starting to buy bars and he was starting to lease them out to his senior managers who had been with him for a while mm-hmm. so uh, he had offered me the opportunity to lease whites and it was all going great guns and it was all lovely until he came to sign it on the Donut line and then there was a huge moment of panic, and it was like, oh, God, no, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like at the 11th hour, I stepped out of it. Wow. Which, when I look back on it, <laughs> I kind of think that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't have, I just didn't think I was able to do it. Yeah, sure. So that was a moment of panic. So then I ended up leaving his company, and, and I went to work for uh, a, another operator in town, which was, uh, which was grand, and then about six months later, he came back to me and he said, "Right, of another bar." <laughs> I was like, he says, "Right, uh, uh, what do you think? Like, you know, where where are you sitting?" And really, if anybody was getting that opportunity now, they would probably bite an arm off. Mm-hmm. But I guess it was just that confident thing. Yeah, you know, am I able to? What do I know about running a business? Sure, it's different operating a bar. You know, the day to day operation. When it comes to running a business. I didn't really have any knowledge on it, sure. you know. So, again, it was a bit of a panic station. And I thought, if I don't take this second chance, it's not going to come a third yeah, time. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. definitely not coming <laughs> a third yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So so, so this, the next bar that he bought was the Spaniard. And from that, it was like, right, okay, it's small. At that stage, obviously, Willie Jack had been established in the Duke of York. And then I also knew that six months down the line, Bill was going to be taken on the merchant, mm. so I thought, right, that's a couple of really key players in the area, yeah. And I knew that they're offering what I was going to offer was something slightly different and maybe a bit niche, yeah, for for other customers, you know, in Northern Ireland. And um, so I thought, okay, let let's let's step over that line and yeah. do it. So that was the first opportunity then to get into Lisnabhar and. Um, Running my own business. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: So just on that, um, I think for a lot of people listening, whenever they have the idea of owning their own business, whether that is a pub or whether that is their own creative whatever. Sure. It's the business nuts and bolts that really scare the crap out of people. Yes. So how did you develop that in your own career?
2: Well maybe this is where you bring in kind of family on this note. So as much as I knew how to day-to-day operate, I, I knew how to, you know, at that stage it was myself doing it all. So, you know, I ordered the stock, I took in deliveries, I cleaned the toilets I you know. What sort of hours were you pumping out then? Like Oh, morning to close. Crazy. I think for the first kind of eight months it was me and me own. That's and Until, and this is, this is kind of where um, strategically I didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. So I kind of thought, I just need to get money into the bank, money into the bank, money into so I can pay the bills. Yeah, I didn't, in the hindsight, understand from a business perspective that I should have got somebody in earlier to assist with me because four hands are better in two, especially in the service industry. Um, so that then, I, I started to learn um, a bit more about the business because my sister, Christine, um, is a, a, a bookkeeper stroke accountant. Oh here And she had worked for um, uh, Salvo Liberante, who uh, back in the day was Villa Italia.
1: Ah, uh, right.
2: So she kind of did a lot of his accounts um, and ran his books. And it was only whenever she came on board then I obviously started to understand the business end of things. Yes. But until that stage, the operational for me was a no-brainer. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's all those things that people want. You know, they want clean toilets and yeah. they want clean tables and they want somebody to say hello. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, if you can, they'd like table service. Mm-hmm. And and even in a small bar of the Spaniard, I kind of thought that they were still all crucial elements. You know, I could have the five-star hotel sitting across the road. It doesn't mean my service is any worse because I'm more spitting sawdust. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, but uh, I mean, I was lucky in that I had her to fall back on. Yeah. You know, I think I think if I didn't have that as a resource, it would have been more difficult to try and do sure. both sides of the yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and as I say, she's she's still badgering me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like looking looking back, like through the lens of hindsight, yes. Like, what are some of the mistakes? that you think young publicans or young coffee shop owners make?
2: Oh, uh, um, I, I think, as I like to say, you need to do your homework. Okay. You know, this, this is not, I, I have an idea and I just want to open a coffee shop. You know, you need to get down to the nuts and the bolts of the cost of it. And, and, and you need that in black and white in front of you. You need to understand, I mean, like even I've made mistakes. So, you know, whenever I opened Panama, I didn't do my homework properly to the point where I had to pay to get an NIE upgrade in electricity oh, just so that we could operate and open the doors. Now, that's, sick. you know, that's a, that's a fault on my part sure. that I didn't follow through. <laughs>
1: but you'll not make it again.
2: <laughs> but you'll not make it again, you know. But um, so th- th- they need to understand the kind of the nuts and the bolts of the cost and, and the setup costs in a, in a lot of ways, you know, can be quite overwhelming once you start looking at it. Um, as I say, I know, you know, I opened the Spaniard with very little money and I I worked it myself, you know, um, un- until I was in a position to kind of what I felt take another member of staff mm-hmm. on. And that's how it went. Oh, I can afford maybe two people. Oh, I can afford three people. Um, but yeah, you, you, I mean, it's, this is not, a, this needs to be an educated risk. Yeah. You know, you need to know to the nth degree of the pennies that you're spending before wow. you take something on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people forget about VAT bills. You know, people. You know, they. You know, it's like, oh, I have all that lovely. Yeah, but you have to gotta pay your VAT yeah. bill. Yeah. yeah, you gotta yeah. pay your corporation tax. You gotta. So it's if you if you if you don't have that knowledge, you need to ensure that it would be good if you have somebody who's in business to speak to as a guidance. Mm-hmm. But the romantic idea of opening a coffee shop or opening a pub um, is a romantic idea Mm. unless you've done your homework on it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fascinating. I want to go back a wee bit to (coughs) use the word niche. And I think niche is a really important part of your business because if I look at each of the places that you uh, run, they're all niche in their own little way and they all attract very different types of people.
2: Yes, well, I guess... From a business point of view, yeah. there's no point in me spreading my customer over five venues. Yeah. Like it, it, and, and that's, I guess, another reason for your business, mm-hmm. you know, for your business direction and for your ethos that I kind of understand right here. Am I trying to attract here? Mm-hmm. So there's no point, you know, especially with even the Spaniard and Muriel's being so close to each other. There's no point in trying to replicate the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just spreading your customer base over two venues instead of actually looking for a new customer base. Yeah. Which successfully it has done yeah. separately. I guess along with that is the product that we serve. Yeah. You know, so in, in the Spaniard, um I'm not too sure that people generally realise, but you know, we specialise in rum mm. and we have over a hundred different offerings of rum it's mental. um in the bar. And and on the back of that then I thought as a product offering this is a good way to go. Yeah. So Spaniard specializes in rum. Muriel's specializes in gin. Jeggy Nettle specializes in whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, To the point where we are about to launch on World Whiskey Day, which is the 16th of May, I think. We have our own uh, 14-year-old Pars whiskey launching uh, on the 14th of May in the jeggy. So they're specializing in whiskey. And then finally, the I guess the baby of the family, which is Pablo's. <laughs> um, so we're we're about to open that um, next week, and it's going to specialize in tequila and mezcal. There
1: you um, go. So I think that well spectrum.
2: I think it's a good way to look at it. I mean, apart from offering everything else that you would sure. in a bar, we we very specifically target those products. Yeah. So that. Um, if if I know that if you're looking for something and you come into any of those venues, our our guys can speak very knowledgeably about any of those products. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the products are great and the products are they tell a great story. Yes. But the brands like Oh my goodness! Like I just think the story behind your brands are unbelievable.
2: True or not true? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, whether they are um, well, embellished slightly or not. <laughs> so slightly
2: done. No. Yeah, well, it's always good to kind of have a, a good. I think it's a good story, and especially to try and keep it, you know, um, in the context of kind of Belfast and Northern Ireland, yeah. you know. So, so the Spaniard is on Skipper Street. Mm-hmm. And obviously that used to be the old docklands where Spanish cargo used to come in.
1: Which is crazy to think about now and if you see the way that part of the city has developed. Oh, crazy.
2: And to be honest with you... So you,
1: where did the water come to? Uh, well,
2: the, well, the river farce that runs up High Street still yeah. underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, on the original maps, I'm not too sure how far has been reclaimed, how yeah. much land has been reclaimed. Um, but to be honest with you, the Spaniard was actually um, Bill Woolsey's Name, yeah. like he came up with a name for that um, because he loved Salvador Dali, <laughs> which, you know, we have pieces dotted about the place in, sure. in the venue. But it was it was back to that because I liked the rum. So we went with the Spanish, the rum, the Farset, um, and, and we came up with, with that kind of brand for there. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I'm not too sure for those of you who haven't been upstairs in the Spaniard, so it's it's embellished with lots of religious memorabilia. Yeah. And people kind of look at me and go, well, that's all a wee bit in your face. <laughs> and I think, unfortunately, that's just because of Northern Ireland's sure. history, people. I, I, I like it because uh, for me, it's a collection. Yeah, It's a collection of religious artifacts, no matter what part of the world they're from. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see it as a religion one way or the yeah. other. Um, so there, there's a, there was a bar in Seville called Bar Garlucci where I first saw it and I thought... Right, that that could be really, you know, sitting on the edge. Yeah. If you bring that back to Northern Absolutely. Ireland, and whenever I did it, I thought, right, I'm I'm going to get some good publicity and some bad publicity, <laughs> out of this. and it ended up nothing happening. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I kind of thought I have crucifixes and statues and sure. rosary beads and everything, <laughs> and there there wasn't there wasn't a peep about it. So I thought, well, maybe that's good. Yeah, you know that there hasn't been any objections. Yeah. Um, so so that, that's the Spaniard the next one Muriel's um, again uh, with the assistance of Bill I can remember distinctly sitting down one day and as he does sometimes he gets his management team and what do you think about this and that name and that name and that name and at this stage amongst myself and my sisters w- we were kind of using that um, slang term oh it's terrible Muriel out of Muriel's wedding yeah. oh it's terrible Muriel so then um it was actually I think Bill's wife Petra said what is it that thing that you girls say to each other it was like oh it's terrible Muriel she says well, why didn't you call it Muriels so it's like okay great that that's actually perfect yeah. uh, and from the frontage the 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 way that the doors fold back I kind of thought that looks like a little cafe that you could see in Paris yeah um so then we so we came up with a name for that and then the concept actually uh, internally uh, so uh, in relation to the history of Belfast, we that area along with the sailors used to have what was called Angels of the Footpath, mm. um, otherwise known as Ladies of the Night. <laughs> so then we we, we kind of um, embellished the story with downstairs. Actually, in nineteen oh eight, that building was a hat milliner's. So we did a little bit of history on it, and then we've added a wee bit to the story.
1: And there's a hat outside, isn't there? There's a hat on the wall. That's outside. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So, uh, so Muriel's was the, was the name. Uh, and then uh, we made it to her almost like a hat shop downstairs with a decoration. And then upstairs was to be her boudoir. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where that story yeah. came from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure I should tell you the story about the Jaggy Nettlefield.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's well, like that's my favourite out well, of all the places you well, got to. <laughs> well,
2: so before I open to the public, I always take my mum. And my dad, Ryan, just to kind of have a quick look yeah. at sort of what's going on. Yeah,
1: and the Jaganetta, by the way, if you haven't been, this is is actually my favourite place to go in Belfast. And I'm li- I'm not saying that because you're in front of me. Like I go all well, the you time. You haven't seen
2: Pablo's yet. You? Ah,
1: <laughs> get it in there. Get yeah, the yeah. promo in. Uh, it's amazing, and it it really looks. It reminds me of Donny Gale. Okay. That's what it reminds me of. Okay. Uh, and it obviously will remind different people of different things, but I walk in and it's in the middle of Strammelis. Yeah. I walk into Jiggenadal and I feel like I'm in the middle of Donegal. There's a the fire.
2: I think it's the fires it's probably amazing. have that effect. Yeah, which is lovely to have in a pub.
1: Amazing. You know
2: because we we have lost that quite yeah. a bit as well. It's like
1: it, there's very few places have it. Sure. And uh, you really there's something about it. Like and there's something so Irish about it. Sure. Like it makes it f- makes me feel connected to the place that I live and the culture And you know that whole environment of going to your grannies and sitting around the fire, and it's just so like ah.
2: And and it was good, kind of, because again, because that's a neighbourhood pub. Mm. It was a bit of a different direction from not being in the safety of the city centre at times, you know, because you're guaranteed footfall. Yeah. But however, I mean, obviously, that side of town, you know, is so diverse, like from students you know, through to people working, mm-hmm. through to young families, through to dog walkers, yeah. you know, so through to even the the, the very easy connection to the Orma Road, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but as soon as I walked into that building, the, the first thing that struck was we need to put fireplaces in here. Yeah. And that in itself, as you say, just gives a completely different feel and vibe yeah. to, to an outlet. And yeah. and we don't have a lot of venues in town. Mm-hmm. That that kind of have that luxury. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't even know. Do you have a TV?
2: Discreetly, we we have screens that we pull up and down Ah, out of the way. You
1: see, that's another thing I love. You go and it's just I've never, I've yet to see a screen on. And like you said, the the clientele is amazing because you've got the grey hair. Yes. uh, Who bring your own food, a wee flask of soup and all, just chilling. And you've got the dog walker in the corner, you've got a couple of students, you've got a couple of professors floating in after, yep. you've got people coming off work, you've got people who live around the corner. Like, that is...
2: Our the, local painters. The pub yeah, pub
1: that, that I've found, honestly. Which
2: which is what it should that's, be, that's really. It, yeah. That's what a neighbourhood pub should be. It should, you know, it shouldn't be... I mean, I think it's almost sometimes trying to... I'm not going to be rude to say re-educate you know, but it's okay if you come in in your work gear mm-hmm. or if you come in in your three-piece suit. Yeah. And that doesn't make anybody any better or any worse. You know, as far as I'm concerned, your £5 note's the same colour as your £5 note. <laughs>
1: There's the business.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, but I guess it's kind of back to, like, everything. It's back to that service and and the atmosphere that you create in that pub so that people do feel um Needed and wanted to go into it. Absolutely.
1: And your staff are incredible in the jeggy. And again, it's key. It's people, yeah. it's
2: people. It's people. Yeah. It's it's staff and it's customers that make yeah. kind of venues what they are. Yeah. But I think it's important to kind of set that tone. Mm-hmm. Very important to try and set that tone, which is not always the easiest. Um, but so, a, But uh, a challenge that I like.
1: Go on, tell us your jaggy. <laughs> oh, so my jaggy story. Yes, so
2: <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I, I took my mother over a, a couple of days before we opened and she had a, a huddle of staff around her. And she said to them, well, do you know why it's called a jaggy nettle? And of course, at that stage, you can feel your heart sinking. <laughs> so my mother's very humorous and doesn't miss and hit the wall as probably most <laughs> Mo- mothers from Northern Ireland are sure, yeah, yeah um, especially with nine kids
1: especially with nine <laughs> kids so she
2: said well you know up the back of the cemetery where I grew up so my mother's from St Peter's my dad's from the White Rock and up the back of the cemetery she said there was like there was a Jenny Nettlefield and I was like oh I'm starting to panic I'm not sure where this is going <laughs> mummy it's in front of the staff yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. we're trying to cast a vision we're here mum <laughs> yeah. I'm not too sure this is a story that we want to be known for <laughs> Um, and so anyway So she's progressing It's it's like You know, you know Janine's father I was like Right okay Janine's father Always oh, tried to get me Into that chaggy knell field <laughs> I was like, But I never went I never went into that chaggy knell go. field <laughs> And I was like We'll just leave it there my Thanks moment. mom. Yes, thanks, thanks for, mom. for coming she Okay bye like, uh, Whilst all the mice Were dropping on the staff They go What? Unbelievable I was like, Yeah so we just left it there Yeah <laughs> Yeah It's just funny though She's funny Class And yeah. so
1: um, Talk to me just briefly about Panama then. Uh, yes. Because so, Panama for me, I mean, I'm, I'm, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be sitting down with you is because I know very little about you. There seems to be very little about you out there. So I was just looking forward to to finding out. But from an outsider perspective, Panama seemed like a slightly different, different shift of gears for you.
2: It was. And, and I, I guess, um, you know, people say when you're in business, it's sometimes better to diversify into other things so as much as I'm a publican and I love it, I, I'd always kind of... One of my f- favourite countries to travel to is Australia. And it's that outdoor lifestyle. And, you know, from a, a food perception, they're kind of always a way ahead of the game. People used to say it was London, but Australia's on a... In relation to coffee shops, yeah. I feel Australia's on a different level. Yeah, You know, and they, they have a lot to kind of offer. And I've been there the last... Um, couple of years just kind of researching mm-hmm. because as as much as bill does it i've also learned from him that i need to do it yeah you know people laugh at me and call and say oh you're away in market research are you it's <laughs> like oh i'm market research yes <laughs> so they're they're very forward thinking in their food uh, uh and their their offering over there and i came back from that and kind of thought right okay let's let's give a coffee mm-hmm. shop a go mm-hmm. um it's a very different beast from, from running a bar. And Panama is, you know, it's aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's great that, you know, we have a garden in the city centre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we still, I'm not too sure a lot of people still know where we are. Well, We're kind of off the beaten track a like, little bit.
1: Center location, tucked away, a wee hidden gem. A wee hidden gem. Which is actually part of the charm of Panama, I think. Sure. But from you as a business owner, yeah.
2: yikes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 that site has been particularly challenging only because there's a lot of work going on in yeah. the area and roads have been closed off and there's no on-street parking. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even I guess, um, Bedford Street, you know, the on-street parking has been taken away, and I understand that you're trying to encourage people yeah. not to drive into the city. Yeah. However, you know, needs must, and yeah. they're not really <laughs> replacing it with anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been challenging, and they're just simply because of mm. other um, external issues that we can't control. Mm. Um, but from a a food concept and from a a design, um. I think it's a it's a nice independent coffee shop. Yeah. And the one thing that I, I'm a big advocate of are independence. Yeah. You know, and I think in Northern Ireland we are extremely creative, you know, across a lot of industries and you know, I'm I'm a big advocate of trying to um support other independents, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what that is, you know, within within the city or externally. Yeah. yeah. So we, we continue to fight the fight with that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and um Talking me about your opening hours.
2: So all all the it, venues, yes, all the venues open. If I can open legally at 12 o'clock, I'm open. Yeah, and you know a lot of a lot of um, uh, businesses, you know, for me especially that I don't operate a lot of food outlets. Anyone's murals really. So the Spaniard doesn't do food. The Jaggy doesn't do food. So they tend to kind of struggle daytime, but. You know, I feel the need that, and again, something that Bill Woolsey has taught me, if you're open, if you're legally allowed to open, you open those hours and mm. you don't close until you close. Yeah. You know, don't start closing early on a Monday or closing early on a Tuesday because then people will say, oh, well, let's go around there. Aye. And they might go, well, I'm not too sure if they're open or not. Yeah. You know, we, we will be open seven days a week, whatever mm-hmm. legal training hours we can do. Mm-hmm. So 12 o'clock through to 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. Uh Monday to Saturday, and then 12 o'clock on a Saturday night or on a Sunday night. Sorry, yeah. yeah, so whatever hours we can legally open, we'll open.
1: Yeah, how do you personally manage the high output that's required to primarily get these things off the ground? But yes. then, even after that, the, the maintenance is a staggering amount of energy.
2: Well, we're also, <laughs> we're, we're also back down to that umbrella of people around you and good teams. You know, so I have a I have a really great operations manager, um, a girl called Leslie Rush, who's been who we actually bartended together many years ago. Unreal. And she went off and did her own thing, and then she's been with me now for about six or seven years. And then from that, it kind of again it it, it goes in tears down. I I have a, a a great group of venue managers again who have all been with me over five years. Mm. And the important thing is to kind of make sure that they're looked after. Mm. You know that you know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a great believer in a work-life balance. So, yeah. you know, they're doing their 45-hour week and away you go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I insist that they don't do anything over that's 45 awesome. hours and people might think that's still a lot in yeah. hospitality. Yeah, <laughs> You know, that's a a touch in the dark, to be honest with you. People could be doing 60, 70 hours a week, yeah. whatever, yeah. whatever. you know, I guess their operators demand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I need to make sure that it's stressful and yeah. it's, busy and mm-hmm. it's constant and you don't get the opportunity to have a day off yeah. really because you're in service and mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's vitally important that they get their time away yeah properly without being annoyed or hounded yeah as is best possible <laughs> of course <laughs> of course
1: <laughs> needs must so
2: it's, a, it's a, again it's a really good team around me you know and mm. um, my drive is to kind of keep looking for new opportunities mm-hmm. and and generally it's my drive to get a, the doors opened and yeah. up and off the ground and then after that I kind of hand it on to them to manage It's awesome um, but like I'm, I'm in my business seven days a week you yeah. know about somewhere yeah. um, uh, which uh, I thrive on it I mean sure. that, that's what I love doing
1: where do you think you spend the most time
2: uh, at the minute, Pablo's, obviously, because right. uh, as I say, that's the opening youngest. next week, yeah, so they're i'm'm I'm, uh, presently this morning they're trying to kick painters out, and it's like you, know, <laughs> you remember you had three days ago? will you please leave? Uh, but then after that, uh, the latest kind of acquisition's been the Chester on the Antrim road, mm. and that's a that's a large project for me because all my yeah. venues are quite small, and um, so we're starting first phase of works uh, in April, and that's so the rest of my time will be spent up there. Yeah. That That's a long-term project. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. An, again, an amazing area. Yeah. Amazing area. Um, uh, it, it's great to see that, you know, the other operators in the area have kind of brought it up. So the guys in the Lansdowne, uh, um, the guy in the Bellevue, um, Andrew Gedge, I know him, and the guys that have taken on Ben Madigan. So for North Belfast, I yeah. know... I have friends though that have been complaining for years. Sure. There's nothing there. So to have four good operators in yeah. that side of town is great. Yeah. You know, it, it can only kind of I guess encourage people sometimes when you don't feel like an into town to stay local. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. But but I'm I'm hoping to kind of I'm not gonna recreate another jeggy, but yeah. um it'll it'll be a, a really good all-encompassing boozer nice let's put it that way
1: the neighborhood the neighborhood pub love that absolutely love that so how much do you think i'm gonna make loads of sweeping uh, assumptions because i don't sure. know anything sure uh in my head okay like 50 years ago 30 years ago you really were competing with you competing against the locals like yes. the other local places yes um But there seems to have somehow been a wee bit of a shift where now you actually have the opportunity to compete with the global players. So you're talking about uh, Australia and probably Melbourne and and the the coffee scene there. That used to be isolated to just Melbourne, but now there's like this global understanding of cafe culture and pub culture. You have tourists coming, you have people traveling almost exclusively to visit some of these brunch places, blah, 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 blah how do you try to compete in that global market and then what do you think we as a city can do to try and up our game in that area
2: i mean i i think i think globally you know many years ago um people obviously didn't travel as much and because now getting on an airplane is like getting on a bus really yeah. <laughs> it like it is you get on a bus to, you know, to go over to England, Scotland, Wales, you know, you know, your three hours flight to Portugal. Yeah. And, and I guess in some ways there is a bit of an expectation that people in Belfast expect to see. I'm not going to say similar outlets because depending on where you go to, it's all driven around weather, you know, but I, I think that they're expecting to see a bit of diversity. The beauty of Belfast and Northern Ireland is its size. Mm. You know, and, and I think that's why, um, um, especially over the last number of years, that the increase in, in visitors is is because purely of our size and what we offer. Mm-hmm. And we we are very independent. Yeah, I mean, even if you take the small area of the cathedral quarter, like the diversity that's in that and in, in those couple of streets where you go to the bigger cities, it all becomes a bit more chain driven. Yes. Yeah. And... I think as more people travel, I I don't think they particularly want that back here in Belfast. I think they want to kind of keep seeing diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you go from, uh, let's say, established at at the top on Talbot Street, you know, um, through to the Dark Horse, through to the Duke of York, you know, through to the Clothier to the Spaniard, to Muriels, Crazy. to Bootleggers. I mean even on that one street. That,
1: I never thought of as one strip before but if you're you look totally at that right. one
2: street, the, the diversity that is in that, <clears throat> even through to St. Anne's Square, when you look at all the you know the restaurants in there, Bubba and Coppy and you know, so we have a lot going on in a very small area. Mm. Uh, and that I think also is starting to filter out of Belfast a lot more, you know, to other offerings in other like sort of um so it's Middletown, I think in Ballymena and Moira, you know. So it's it's starting to spread further afield yeah. because people are expecting it. Yeah. you know, and it's good that it's filtering out of Belfast at that at that rate because it shouldn't be confined mm. to to the to the big city. Yeah. You know. Um but I also think in Northern Ireland, you know, the the hospitality industry is, is getting extremely, extremely difficult and competition is always difficult. And I know the big chat amongst publicans at the minute has been the increase in rates, which Mm -hmm. has just been astronomical. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in itself doesn't really encourage me to look at opening further businesses. At this minute in time, you know, it's where do we get that money from? How do we make that money back to be able to pay that? You know, and whenever you're sitting and there's not a whole lot that you're getting for paying those rates, it's it's a it's a it's a hard one to kind of take on board, sure, yeah. and and look at ways of of how to, uh, I guess, make that money to pay those extra bills. Mm. Um, from that side of it, it's getting tougher. We could go into looking at our license and laws mm-hmm. are still very restricted. It doesn't give us opportunity at said times of the year mm-hmm. to operate. Um, I mean, you know without being controversial, we get into the Easter period and it's very restricted opening hours. Um, I know that uh, um, our, our body um, has been fighting to try and get extended hours, which we hope might be coming this year to get an extension of an extra hour mm-hmm. at night time. Um, but there's there's lots of other big hurdles that don't really help. Um Present operators to want to keep investing in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. It's 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 getting more difficult, and it's not the competitiveness. Yeah, you know, because as I say, the diversity is quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the the added costs that are that you know we have to take on board, um, in order to keep operating. I mean, I, I understand even the national minimum wage. You know that's a, that's something else that we have to absorb, and it's not that i I don't disagree with it, yeah you know, but when you're taking that hit on top of our rates, yeah which as I say, have been astronomical yeah um percentage wise on what we've been paying uh and and you know they' they're basing that on your success, so if you're successful, you're going to pay more rates. <laughs> But if you don't run a good business, I'm well, sure that's fine. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so that that it's it's absorbing those costs, which is always more difficult as years go on.
1: Yeah. Do you think you'd ever open outside of Belfast?
2: Um, there has been consideration to Dublin.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, purely because for investment reasons, it's sure. it's a much more lucrative yeah. um, area to go to. Yeah. Yeah, um, th- that's been on the cards for the last couple of years. But, cool. like, everything is trying to find the right location. and Yeah. yeah. Timing,
1: as you And say. timing, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Would you ever consider opening off the island?
2: No. No. One stretch too far for me. Yeah. I'm a homebird. I like Northern Ireland too much. <laughs> <laughs> I like the people too much. So good. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no def- definitely homegrown, I am, yes. Nice one.
1: Yeah. I was saying before the show, we are... Uh, also independent we're supported by a group of listeners sure uh, who love the show and um this point in interview we're trying to introduce a couple of listener questions so um, i've got all my fancy new gear rigged up Uh, if we can try to uh, make this happen let's see i give this a go Hi Matt. Hi Janine. Just a quick question for Janine.
0: Uh, hi Janine. Love your business. Love Muriel's and some of the other places you own and manage. Um, just wondering as an entrepreneur what gives you the confidence to continue to expand uh, your businesses and your portfolio um, when the retail and sector and city centres seem to be all very doom and gloom at the moment. And also how hospitality is going to be affected by Flybe and its closure. Okay, thank you.
2: Well first of all I th- I think the the more important factor is flyby uh, in relation to visitors that obviously come into the city and you know with with the titles of being voted you know number one city in Europe to come to you as a destination um obviously that in itself uh, Will encourage people to come here and want to try it, where for many years they didn't want to, and unfortunately, it's still the perception that you know Belfast and is Northern Ireland isn't particularly a, a safe uh, destination to go to. So, I mean, it's devastating that um, Flybe have ended up in the position that they're in. Uh, I'm not too sure whether any government support is going to come along um, to uh, to rectify that situation. Um, so that's going to be a, a tough knock across all uh, ourselves, you know, hotels, restaurants, coffee shops, um, just general footfall around the city. Um, from an entrepreneurial point of view, I guess uh, that's a very different thing. I, I'm very much um, based on gut reaction. Uh, and, uh, you know, as much as I can say earlier on, if you're interested in the business, you need to sit down and do the hard figures, which is correct. But I very much base myself on uh, opportunities that are presented to me. And it's it's never an overnight jerk reaction. It's let's see what the venue is, let's see what the potential area has. Then I number crunch and then I make my decision based on that. Um, but at, at the minute, my latest project, the Chester, <laughs> is... Um, is is a is a really excitement? Like I'm, uh, you know, I'm probably as excited about that as I am the jaggy, um, and I think it has huge potential. And it's a long term project, so uh, I'm not too sure I'll be taking on much more in the next few weeks. <laughs> <while. laughs> I, think, I think I'm <laughs> on my plate to so kind of get through at the minute.
1: Awesome, Chris mate! Great question. Thanks, man. Get another wee one here.
0: Hey, Janine, you're obviously very successful in hospitality, and you've met many many people. And what I'm curious to know is, what's the first thing that you notice about someone?
2: Oh, gosh, great question. Wow. Uh, Yeah, for me, it's always, well, it's always eye contact first and then handshake. Uh, because you you can tell you can tell a lot through somebody making direct eye contact with you, and the handshake is always, as I like to say, I don't like to shake a wet fish. <laughs> you know, that, that, that doesn't really. That I'm panicking
1: now. My internal <laughs> monologue is: Did I shake her hand? Did I shake her hand? I don't even know if I shook her hand. <laughs> that, doesn't,
2: that doesn't work well for me at all. But I think that's probably for most people. It's, it's kind of eye contact right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and and. If I'm going to sound a little fickle, I also like people's style. Yeah. I like to see what, you know, how people kind of present themselves. um, Also kind of tells a lot about somebody as an individual. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah.
1: Cheers, Alan.
0: Hi, Matthew and Janine. Richard here at Course Commerce. My question is, uh, of all the pubs, uh, which one is Janine's favourite and why? (gasps) Oh,
1: it's like asking your mum who's my, your favourite daughter.
2: Richard. <laughs> Richard, that's difficult. But I'll be honest with you, it's, a, it's an easy answer. As I like to call it, it's the mothership. So it's the Spaniard every time, because I guess that's the first one that kind of got me um, on this journey to operating bars. So, yeah, the, and sh- and she's affectionately called a mothership. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's the Spaniard, hands down. Yeah, cool. a bit of a no-brainer there.
1: Well, I know he'll be glad to hear that because uh, Richard's a big fan of uh, Belfast's finest rum, as he likes to call it. There we go. You know, the wee warm one? That comes in the special kind of casket and it's like it's served and it's like slightly warm.
2: Uh, I think it's a clement shrub, it might be. Yeah, it's served hot with a slice of orange. Unbelievable. P- potentially, but we have a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, you must come back for another one. There you go.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, got one more here. Let's see.
0: Hi, Matthew at Best of Belfast. It's Mark from Glaze. Uh, I just wanted to ask a quick question uh, to your guest today. Uh, what sort of changes has uh, she noticed over the course of the last 10 years in the pub scene in Northern Ireland? And secondly, uh, what's her views on the pub laws around closing time and when they can open on a Sunday?
2: Uh, well, let's tackle the the, the the operating hours first of all. As I say, you know, um, Bill taught me if you can open, open and, and don't be deviating from your trading hours because people might um, make decisions on, you know, guessing whether you're opened or closed. So hail, rain, sleet, snow, coronavirus, (laughs) the lot. Um, We open from 11.30 until 1, Monday to Saturday, and then 12 o'clock. I I guess the difficulty is, as I say, progressing is always, you know, around those hours of of Easter, Easter. uh, that's always difficult again because we have such huge visitors that get away, and and you know Belfast and Northern Ireland is most certainly on the map from pubs, from food like our cuisine is amazing, mm. um, and especially as people travel further afield, they I don't think sometimes they actually realise the quality of product that we have here. Yeah. Um, so as, as people kind of travel more, they expect to see that back here. And it's it's actually in some ways my responsibility to ensure that um, I'm trying to be forward thinking enough to kind of look at new venues and that, that I do market research to kind of go away and see what potentially I think will work back here. And I think that's key for my industry is not being kind of closed minded to think that you know everything it's okay to pinch an idea or two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know speaking to, to, to Sean and The Dead Rabbit, um, whenever he was designing The Dead Rabbit, he said, I said, so, you know, where'd you get your inspiration from? And he's like, well, downstairs is meant to look a wee bit like a Spaniard, and upstairs is <laughs> meant to look like the merchant great room. Right and I went, oh, that's cool. Tony, <laughs> so he put his own version on it, which I love, you so know. It's brilliant. And, and, and that's allowed, you know. 100%. 100%. As I say, because... You know, you need to get out there and see what else is going on and make it um, correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: awesome. Uh, guys, thank you for your questions. Um, like like you've probably heard loads of times on the show, we're supported by a small group of people who really love the show. And so if you would like the chance to submit questions to our guests, you know where to go, to the website, and uh, we'd really appreciate your support. Janine, we always kind of land the plane of the interviews with a couple of stock questions okay so these are kind of like the cliche oh, yeah. podcasty questions that we ask we've asked nearly all Not prepared of, yeah ahead. not, prepared. <laughs> not like, prepared all of the like the, like the last hundred people we've interviewed have pretty much had some form of these questions okay, okay. And the first one and i promise is the hardest question oh, you'll probably ever be asked in your life okay and it's what do you describe as your most successful
2: moment Oh, <laughs> and then there's deathly silence <laughs> my successful moment I guess I guess at that stage was probably getting the keys to the Spaniard mm. yeah to open the door yeah
1: awesome yeah most challenging moment to so the flip side and how are we able to overcome that
2: oh lord most challenging moment uh, I mean I guess in relation to you know Work within the realm of hospitality there there have been lots of challenging moments where um shall we say, I guess people aren't always the nicest. <laughs> But but I, th- I, I mean, I don't have one specific one, you know. I are, I'm you, are, kinda, you, are you
1: talking about like customers or are you talking customers, about... Customers, okay, yeah.
2: yeah. And, and I'm generally kind of like, I, I kind of live in a very fun world in my own head. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not really, you know, something that, that I've kind of had to deal with a lot, you know. But in saying that, probably more challenging is just down to customers. And, and customers' reactions can be, some ways, not always the most pleasant. Mm. But, you know, you just... Choose to kind of rise above that and keep going because the issues with them, not with me. Sure. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, If you could take anyone from Northern Ireland, dead or alive, yes, out for a flat white or out for a pint or out for a rum, who'd you take? Mary Peters. Really? (laughs) Have you have you ever gone out
2: with her? Uh, No. Well, I've met her uh, on two occasions at um, two events. Class. So back in the day, I used to run. So I, I ran um, cross country and then I um, I ran cross country for Ulster and then I played Nepal for Northern Ireland. Uh, and that's purely based on she's our Olympian. Sure. Yeah, like it's as simple as that, you know, she's our Olympian from Northern Ireland. So yes, Mary, if you're free, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me in, in Pablo's for and, a coffee. And
1: where would you take her?
2: Oh, crikey. It would be... Inevitable for me to say not to one of my own venues. Oh, um, oh no,
1: you! It has to be one of your own venues, surely. I'd, yeah,
2: yeah, I'd, 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 yeah. Let's say it's a new introduction. Let's take her. Let's take her down to Pablo's for a, a really beautiful uh, coconut frozen margarita. Nice if she, if she fancies that, yeah. <laughs> or a coffee, cup of tea. I mean, <laughs> cup of tea. W-
1: w- it's about the conversation, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: I would be delighted. Yeah, she, she's she's been my hero for. All, all that I know of her, yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, final question. Yes. Can you believe it? Are yes. You, are you relieved?
2: Yeah. No, but not as painful as I thought it was going to be.
1: That's good. That's, that's, uh, that's we're good. always welcome feedback <laughs> like that, you know.
2: It's only because it's not my bag to normally do it. That's so,
1: all. Yeah. Um, well, just before that, like, why do you think, I'm, I could really corner you and say, why do you think you don't like putting yourself forward in that way? But maybe it's more interesting to talk about why, do you think North Nash people aren't interested in doing that in general?
2: Oh, I don't know. Personally for myself, I just like doing what I do and what I'm good at. And it's just head down and go. You mm-hmm. know, coming from a family of nine, you don't get that amount of attention. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. But, yeah. you know, there's nine kids to go around. So there's not individual attention spent on you. Yeah. So you just learn to muck in and go. And I think that's just generally the way I look upon business. I just... I muck in and I yeah. go if if something needs done, you know, like this morning we need to paint that wall, right? Okay, we'll paint it. Oh, that furniture hasn't arrived for Pablo's. Will you go out and look for something? Yes, I'll go out and look for it. Yeah, you know, so that's just the nature of the beast. That that's what I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the question we always end on, okay? Yeah. Is if we could turn? Uh, I usually say could turn this podcast, the studio into a bus into like a time machine, <laughs> but actually let's do something different. What if we could shoot you? Through a time machine, okay. And uh, you could go to your first shift at the parliament. Yes. And gosh, there was uh younger Janine behind the bar doing her thing, working away. Yes. And you could come up now with your cutting edge glasses, your, your cool shaved hair, your, you know, your, your, uh, scru- I'm going to say <laughs> scruffy. scruffy. That's not scruffy jeans. What's the word I'm looking for there?
2: Um, individual, I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. Holes in it's your just jeans? jeans. <laughs> not
2: like an eighteen-year-old. not that kind of hole stuff. No.
1: So you you rock up and you pull up a chair at the bar and you have like a couple of minutes of her time, yeah, just to download, yeah. the information. What would yeah. you say there?
2: I guess I would say you know if you're if you're a people person and uh, you know you like engaging and you like communicating and you like hard work. You know, I would get them to stick in this industry full term. The, the opportunities are in fistfuls, like fistfuls around the place. Um, and, and especially in Northern Ireland, we have a, a very unique market. We have a very unique personality. And, and I guess that's a lot uh, as to why we get so many visitors. You know, we can laugh at ourselves. Mm. We're happy to laugh at ourselves, but if, if I was standing behind that bar, and just to clarify, back in that day, I also had a shaven head. Oh, so there you go. This is <laughs> not. So a, is a new modern. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is not new modern. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I would basically get, get them to kind of, if, if that survives and it feels good, and it's a good gut instinct, stick with what you know. Gut instinct, I don't think, is kind of spoken about enough. Mm. If, if that, if it sits well with you on whatever decision that is in life then stick with it and follow it through because it's never wrong. It's proven to me that it's never been wrong. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Janine, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Class.
2: Yeah. And the headphones <laughs> worked. Can't believe it. <laughs> and I wasn't here for three minutes trying to work it out. <laughs> uh, Thanks,
1: the, Matthew. See, um, see, while I still have you on, we're recording. Can I just get a wee, um, hi, I'm Janine Cain and you're listening to Best of Belfast.
2: Sure. Hi, I'm Janine Cain and you're listening to Best of Belfast.
1: Doubtily. Sweet. Spot on. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Scroffy jeans. What am I like? <laughs> right.
2: Scroffy's good. That was all right. That's good.
0: Oh, my. Hi, guys. I'm Rob, and I'm from Queensland, and I'm a proud member of the Best of Belfast Producers Club. I listen to the podcast for a number of reasons. I love Belfast, Northern Ireland, and the country and the people in it. I have a connection with Northern Ireland as our family came to Australia in the 1800s from the beautiful county of Fermanagh. I love what's going on in Belfast, the entrepreneurs, the innovation, the technology, and the spirit. My favourite podcast is definitely the Tim Brundle episode, although I do have many other favourites. I support the podcast financially because I believe that quality work deserves fair financial support. It's important that we continue to hear about the amazing people of Northern Ireland and what they are achieving. So if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you would really miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, as I would, I highly recommend considering joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.